This is Merchandise Mart. Transfer to Brown Line Trains at Merchandise Mart. Doors closing. Cheers. Salut. You. you as well. So welcome to the Wisendell Weekly Wrap-Up, where we talk about architecture, design, everything in between. Uh, today I have a reoccurring guest, I guess you could say. Um, she, well, here, I'll let you introduce yourself. Go ahead. Okay. Um, hello, my name is Smitha. I am currently an architect with Smith Group. Um, last time I was on as the INOMA president, uh, but I have wrapped that up and just yeah. getting into some new stuff now. So thanks nice. for having me back. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I would. That's what I was going to explain on the intro was that uh, Smitha was actually the first guest that allowed uh, the Wisendale podcast to record. So now we have uh, a few other team members here. We have a few new gadgets. We and, have like a uh, production team. Yeah, it's kind of a production, <laughs> right? Kind of like doing it. So. <laughs> Thank you again. Yeah. Um, so for those people who don't know the INOMA, can you explain what that what that was like or, or what it is first? Yeah, for sure. So INOMA is the Illinois chapter of the National Organization of Minority Architects. And that is a local state chapter of the larger NOMA organization. Um, and that aims to provide support and community for people of color or any minority identifying individuals um, within the design professional sphere. So it tends to be a pretty white male dominated uh, industry. And I think it's just really important to provide support for, um, I think it's predominantly people of color, but then of course there are many other minority identifications that we want to support and just shed light on the fact that the struggles that occur in the industry are real mm -hmm. and you need support to process those, move through them and continue to be your best self um, yeah. in the face of all of this, you know? Yeah. So that organization ends up doing a ton of community outreach. We did do summer camps. We do programs um, for high school students, for elementary school students. And then on the other side, we provide workshops and happy hours and networking for our professionals. Um, and so I was the president of our local chapter of that for 2019 and 2020, um, which was pretty cool. Um, and that essentially... Is that how long usually the terms are? Yep. It's yeah. usually a two-year term. And yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Um, they're still going strong. Jennifer Johnson is the, is the president now. I'm, of course, in recuperation mode. Um, <laughs> and... Well, yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I was on the IEDA board for four years, so um, I definitely understand it takes a lot of effort for sure. Yeah. And one thing I realized just from collaborating with other orgs was other um, kind of nonprofit professional support organizations have staff. And we did not have staff. We were the staff and the volunteers and the leadership and the executive board. Right. And so that was just kind of an interesting thing where it we, we had to be careful because it's very easy to end up just pulling on the same five to ten people over and over again. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you've got a sustainability issue because everyone's exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was yeah. something I worked through. Uh, yeah, you know. for sure. But it's yeah. still going this year, so. That's awesome. <laughs> that was great. It's still going. Um, just a moment really quick. I want to give a shout out to Tom uh, Karras at Karras Associates in Indiana Furniture for hosting us today. Tom is actually, speaking of uh, nonprofit <coughs> organizations, he is part of the DIFA board as well. So uh, designers in the fight for AIDS, maybe? Damn it. <laughs> what is it? What is it, Tom? 
Design Industry Foundation Fighting Aid. See, I'd I was close. Four for five I was trying. I was got a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, big shout out to Tom uh, for for hosting us. So, it's yeah, a beautiful that's, showroom. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that uh, that's great that you did that, and for sure that it's still going on. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's it's so important to just have space to process things like that. Um, and even in the pandemic, we, we made a big effort. Um, it was kind of crazy. All of a sudden, you know, April, it was like we had all these events planned and we just had to kind of shut them all down. But we still made a pretty big effort to just bring people together, connect. There was a lot to process with the murders of George Floyd and Breonna yeah. Taylor. And yeah. then Chicago itself became a hub for those protests. And, and there's yeah. a lot to, to talk about. And it's hard to go through that when you're experiencing the beginning of a pandemic and yeah. you're just like, oh, so I don't go anywhere anymore. Like, right, right, right. So it, yeah. it was, um, I think I'm proud of how we handled it because we were just, just figuring it out as it went like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And we were a really young board, um, but I, I think it was successful. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Um, I think the NOMA um, convention is in Detroit this year, I believe, at the end of the year. Yeah, that's um, the hope. So just... Uh, throwing that out there for everybody listening and it's the 30 year anniversary and noma was officially founded in detroit uh so so that's it's a big deal they really wanted to hold to like having another in-person conference there this year so yeah awesome hopefully weisendale can do a little partay down there or something yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know when the pandemic was hitting and and the riots and everything we're going protests excuse me were going on um I saw you on a few of the different uh, um, panels or things that were going on. Mm. You're like, it's it's great that, you know, the conversations are being had. But, I mean, it's unfortunate that they have to come in at that cost, you know, and it's wild. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. It was um, really jarring how many people reached out to me that week. Like, what can we do for Inoma? And I was like, don't ask that question for starters, you know, like... <laughs> It was really frustrating of like, you know, I guess I won't start naming names, but we won't go there. But it was like, I've been reaching out to you for 18 months now and I haven't heard anything back. And now Mm -hmm. you suddenly and and it just becomes really clear when it's more of a marketing angle than trying to do the right thing angle. Um, And then it was just really awesome to just, you know, there are people who did reach out and who were partners early on um, and we were really blessed to like have that already and then it felt that much more genuine to want to be like reacting or participating or collaborating alongside those organizations yeah for sure yeah um and i think it's also good to educate right like uh, the last presentation i was a part of that you were a part of was the aia um oh shit <laughs> aia illinois thank emerging you professionals emerging professional yeah thank you god <laughs> damn. There's so many of them. There's so many of them. And there's so many Zoom meetings, like so so many many different presentations. But anyways, it was educating or making people understand the history of Brownsville. Yeah. That you guys really dove into, which I thought was great. And we'll put the link uh, on on the website for people to check out. But I think that's super important, right? Like making sure people understand where where it starts or just the history of it. So Definitely. So um, I moved to Bronzeville about three years ago, and it was an interesting time because kind of shortly after that, things started to really um, just compound in, in, in terms of development. There's a lot happening. Um, and 
I, I think it's it's not clear, and this is true of so many of Chicago cities that hold so much rich history, it's not clear the legacy that they hold. And just because of segregation, redlining, racism, these cities have kind of, cities, uh, communities have kind of been left for dead. And mm. that sounds extreme, but that's kind of what it is when you drive around some of them and see what's remaining. Um, and Bronzeville is one that just has this incredible mecca of things that are like really big deals. Like the first open heart surgery ever was performed by a black man in Bronzeville at the Provident Hospital. Um, wow. And it's there's so many pieces of information like that. Emmett Till's home is there. Uh, Nat King Cole has a home there. Margaret Burroughs, an incredible artist. The Southside Community Arts Center was a black hist- black art kind of hub since um, Works Progress Administration, right? So that's since 1940, and it's been open continuously since then. Um, I was amazed. Like, one one piece of information that really hit me was uh, a couple of years ago, I visited the, um, I want to say, I think it was George White uh, exhibit at the Art Institute, these amazing uh, hand-drawn um, huge sketches of, like, people and protest and life. And y- you go and learn about him and... Uh, uh, Charles White, sorry, Charles White, He's, he wasn't allowed to attend the Art Institute because of segregation. And then the, th- the thought that they're now showcasing his work and making money off of that yeah. was like, poof, okay. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. he started at the Southside Community Arts Center because he couldn't attend and take class at the Art Institute. And stuff like that is just so amazing. To, like Those are heavy, important facts. Um, mm-hmm. Black Black History Month was initially Negro History Week, and um, that was founded by, oh, I want to remember his name so bad, Dr., I believe it was Carter Woodson, and that happened at the um, Wabash YMCA. That's like two blocks from where I live. Like Things like that to just know are are crazy. So um, just zooming, I think, both out and in at the same time, that this links to this concept of community engagement, which has yeah. been something that I'm dealing with really heavily um, in my new position with Smith Group and just understanding mm-hmm. like what is authentic community engagement? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? How do we honor communities? Um, I'm reading a book right now, Know Your Price by Andre Perry, and it was just published last year and he gets into a lot of the uh, specifics of communities that have caused kind of the the state of things that we see today and how devaluing black life, black property, black community um, is an issue. And so, and, and how it links to just, you know, what, everything we're seeing today. So yeah. all of that is just, these are the things that I'm kind yeah, of working with yeah, right now. Yeah, um, that's wild. It's heavy. It's, yeah, it's, it's heavy, heavy, but I can't stop. No, you know, for once sure, you start for learning, sure you, can't. you yeah. just want to keep yeah, going. Yeah. And I'm happy that that can link to my work right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we were talking earlier about Invest Southwest. So I'm yeah. able to bring a lot of what I'm learning to our practices with community engagement. Yeah, for and sure. And all of that. So, um, anyways. Well, that's, I mean, how long have you been at Smith Group now? Oh, um, we are at, I believe, 10 months. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Congrats. <laughs> um, and just, you know, because a lot of the uh, audiences, architecture and design, um, what's the difference between firms, I guess? Or what would you say operational? Because obviously Smith Group is a huge. Um, oh, between Smith Group and Interactive? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Just, I guess, 
it, it, you, don't, you don't have to go into specifics. Just yeah. to, like what what would be the difference between firms? Because I'm always interested to hear how people's uh, experience at firms differ, right? Like you have a lot more resources when you're at a company like Smith Group, or you have a lot more um, mentors and mentees and a lot mm-hmm. more people to really dive into when you guys are already at the table and you're talking, uh, as opposed to being a small team, you know, mm-hmm. you're just, your resources are limited. So I'm mm-hmm. just curious. I mean, resources is huge. You know, yeah. when I was onboarded, there was an IT orientation an HR orientation, <laughs> a marketing orientation, and the number of things that were not my problem anymore because there was a department whose job it was to solve those problems was crazy. Um, yeah. And then just the sheer amount of content, like you, there's a video or a webinar to learn just about anything. Um, and this is a 1,300 person firm across the country. Yeah. Um, so it's different in that way. In some ways, it's similar though, because I really only work with the same maybe you know sure. eight to ten people. And yeah. especially since I was onboarded in the pandemic and have been working via video with them for a long time uh you sound sad you sound sad you're like a long time well i don't know smith group's office is amazing it's an open layout office there's Mm -hmm. no assigned seating and it's on wacker and yeah it's uh, a building yeah that's right yeah so it's i I wish i could have seen what that looks like in action yeah um so similar and different but i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of it's amazing how much is accessible mm-hmm. um, being in a large firm like that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and uh, Weisendell is a shortlisted or firm for design team for um, Neighborhood Opportunity Fund. Well, and that's awesome. Yeah, Congratulations. We were, thank you. We were going to uh, partner with some other firms to try to apply for the South by Southwest list as well, but mm-hmm. uh, we didn't end up pursuing that. And invest Southwest. Invest Southwest. Okay. Me. What did I say? Southwest Southwest. Yeah, Sorry. It's like music. Apologies. Invest by Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, can you talk a little bit about that and what uh, Lori Lightfoot has has done with that? I guess I don't know. People automatically assume it's a her, so that's why I, I, I think it is very much touted as her initiative. Um, but when I, I'll just say when I talk to some community organizations, they say every mayor has done some version of this, you know, for the last yeah. 20 or 30 years. This is her version. Yeah. Um, so Invest Southwest is this initiative to bring investment to the south and west sides of Chicago. Um, it kind of indirectly recognizes the history that that exists there. Um, and it is there's 10 corridors that have been identified. And um, it's I know that there's a lot of initiatives in all of the different city departments that support this, but in the Department of Planning, it, the biggest thing is issuing these 10 requests for proposals uh, for these 10 different neighborhoods um, with the idea to build development that will catalyze hopefully future development. So the Chicago Central Area Committee has presented their services to the Department of Planning to kind of uh, help form these RFPs. So the Chicago Central Area Committee is made up of a variety of different firms and companies and corporations, like not just designers. It's a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, developers, market analysts, tech firms. There's a lot. Um, yeah. And so some of us have stepped up to solicit or demonstrated interest in helping to form these. So Smith Group is a member of the Chicago Central Area Committee. And we have 
provided services for helping to build the parameters for the Englewood, um, Bronzeville, and now is a team lead for the developing Roseland RFP. Nice. Yeah. Um, and when is there a, I guess, development date, goal date to happen? Or are they accepting? Because I think the Bronzeville was just uh, accepted in March, right? It just opened up in It like opened month, end of ago, November, right? and then it all the proposals are due, I believe, March 31st. March 31st, that's what it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's rolling. So they kind of do three or four neighborhoods every three or four months. So... Uh, it's on this cycle. So I think with Bronzeville, we started in uh, end of September, beginning of October. We had to have the whole thing done end of November for it to be published. They'll get proposals and then they spend all this, or sorry, end of March. Then they'll spend a lot of time reviewing them with the community to get feedback that the actual proposal aligns with community priorities and needs. And then... I think the idea is like spring of 2022, we'll have a project completed, which gotcha. is pretty aggressive, right? Yeah, it is aggressive. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So, so that's one piece of that. Roseland just started um, in February, and I think we're going to try to complete it end of April. And then, you know, a few years, uh, you know, they'll give four months, I think, to create the proposals. Mm. And then, so. And, and these are pretty, lo- for those of you who don't know, these are pretty large developments mm. that. They are <laughs> that are uh, being bitten off. Um, I guess we don't really have to go into that, but I just feel like they are uh, ambitious. I guess is the word. I, I don't know what the word to really. To, I mean, the right thing to say because I would want to say, and, and again, no offense to anybody, I just feel like they're they're just not realistic for how change could happen i guess is is my what i'm trying that's to say that's a really lovely way to put it i because i i, I agree with you um yeah. i just think that they're trying to catalyze development in a top-down type of fashion yeah. and that i think we've proven that doesn't work a few times in history um but one thing i have to say and i mentioned this to you earlier is just the proposals that have come back and these are publicly available to download and view they're really innovative. And, and the city's goal, I guess, is to encourage partnership between large developers, right? Because the scale of development that we're seeing, which for reference is typically around 50 units to make all of these tax credits and everything else worthwhile to quote unquote, close the gap you know, mm-hmm. of the development fee. Um, and with those uh, proposals, sorry. So, so with those, it's, it's important in order to get them done that there is a partnership because a small, like you're saying, a small development firm couldn't necessarily take that on. Right. But what the city wants to see is these innovations between community organizations, chambers of commerce, small business owners to partner with the larger developers and hopefully send in a proposal and finally build a project that reflects all of their different inputs. Um, I feel the way your face is looking right now <laughs> about all of that. Don't, don't zoom in on my face. <laughs> <laughs> there are some perhaps other motives involved. Yeah. And, and dive into, if you don't mind, um, diving into like the, 
the unit mix? I mean, if we're talking 50 units, how big do they have to be in... Are there there those sort of sort of requirements as well that are in the uh, RFP? So in order to qualify for the, um, you know, affordable housing credits, which is you know the the TIF credits, you mm-hmm. have to, um, you sorry, I mean you have to follow affordable housing guidelines, and that's the only way to kind of make it work from a residential standpoint, right? right? There's other. Um, initiatives such as the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund to finance commercial initiatives. Um, but yeah, we, we use really basic metrics to do that, uh, to, to look at the residential. You know, we just kind of came up with an average of about, you know, 750 square feet with the assumption that there will be some larger, some smaller, some of those will be affordable, some of those will be market rate. Um, and from there, you just you're kind of working backwards with your square footages. Yeah. 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 It's interesting um, to, to break those down and to understand like the parameters that you're working in, the numbers that you have to hit in order mm-hmm. to, to get the TIF uh, funding. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It's been, it's been interesting to see all the activity. I mean, it's definitely making a lot of noise and I don't know if it's because of the time or because of just me being more aware, but I just, I think I hear about the developments more. I don't know which one it is, but, um, because if, if other mayors have been trying it, I haven't heard about it. You know what I mean? So I completely agree with you. Um, because I had, when this was mentioned to me, you know, every mayor has done this. I was talking to, uh, 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 someone with the, a local organization in Bronzeville. I, I cannot remember right now, to be honest, but she just mentioned that, that same thing. Every mayor's done something like this. And I was like, what? So I, she threw <laughs> off like Rahm Emanuel's version of that, which I, of course, no longer remember. Yeah. But it was like a couple big developments in Bronzeville happened because of his initiative to do that. Gotcha. And, and so I guess when you see, you know, in neighborhoods where you don't expect it, kind of sudden new shiny development, I think you could think that it's linked back. But I completely agree with you. There is a much different wider spread effort in this case which i guess mm-hmm. should definitely be sure. credited right yes yeah, it's, yeah. Um, because it's not just the department of planning it's also the department of France transportation transportation because <laughs> <laughs> we friends yeah. um and I, I believe a few others i, I mean i believe cha um, the housing authority is involved mm-hmm. as well so they mm-hmm. i think they are trying to make this change on a pretty widespread um you know, yeah, many well, levels and layers. I know the housing authority is putting out their, um, fuck, I forgot the name of it. It's like a basically like a standards for the city. I shit, I can't think of the name. We're Anyways, not good with specifics, Felix. Let's I'm just not, admit that neither <laughs> no, of us are going to remember. It's just like too many. Specific you know, getting things. right over the top of it. <laughs> I cannot remember the name of it, but uh, it's it's coming out here shortly. Anyways. Um, I thought the uh, the Raby Institute, their film, I don't know if you saw it, with the uh, uh, Shame of Chicago, I think it was. It was basically about uh, Bronzeville and about, um, I'm totally murdering this. God damn it. And the last, <laughs> time, the last time you were on the podcast, remember I mentioned yes, something about the and thing and you're like, you're like, no, it's the wrong organization. I'm like, are you sure? She called me later. The president of that organization was like, Spencer, that was not us. And I was like, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. But anyways, there was a, a, a documentary out put out by the Baby Institute 
um, about the uh, basically like home loan sharking pretty much and about how it, it worked in Brownsville. And it was a completely eye-opening um, documentary. So uh, if I'll put the link in there and specifically get the right link in there <laughs> for everybody to watch it. But um, yeah, I think for some reason the tone is just, it's, it's more, um, it's hitting more, I guess now. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's great, right? Because I think the other thing that's happening is we're starting to talk more about how, you know, long-term oppression kind of shows up in our lives and Mm -hmm. what that looks like for different people, because it shows up for everyone. It's, I think it's just a matter of how you handle it, uh, how you address it, how it affects you or you affect it. Yeah. Um, And I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about education and just like knowing that because if you're not, if you're affecting versus affected, I think there's a good chance you're not necessarily aware without putting in that additional effort. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's a great uh, shift, right? I think the last four years were a little weird. Um, and, but it brought to light a (laughs) lot of things that maybe we wouldn't have been aware of if we had had leadership that reflected us perhaps more accurately when it needed to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That might be my tendency to look for the silver lining. The last four years were shitty, but (laughs) (laughs) they were, they were. Yeah. But there's also, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, after the, here, let me get you some more wine too. Um, Hmm. With the pandemic, you know, and how things have changed. And I don't think it's, I hope it doesn't go back to being what it was. Ooh, let's talk about that. Yeah, what it was in the beginning. I'm just going to give you a little bit more (laughs) because we're talking about that. There you go. Um, I just mean like when everyone says back to normal, that could be something we touch on a little. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what what is that normal, right? Right. And and what does that mean? I don't know. I think uh, you can go first. I mean, I hope we don't. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. what I think is is we've learned so much from this pandemic, right? Yeah. Like, um, in some ways, events and such have become more accessible, which is awesome, uh, provided you have internet. Uh, but and I think that that's fantastic. I fantastic, think, right? Like yeah. I've tuned into events in Cali, events mm-hmm. in DC. I got to see my professor when I was at school in Miami speak on a panel and I was so happy because I'm not going to see that guy anytime soon unfortunately um and it's amazing in that way I I think too though um COVID did not care who you were right it it was non-discriminating and definitely was not going to be paid off you know so Mm -hmm. it just kept showing up and I I think that the fact that it couldn't be contained um, meant that we had to really, it, it was like a, a slap in the face to make us look at, hey, uh, we are really ignoring some major components of how our society works, including yeah. some people. And so I hope that moving forward, we continue to just be cognizant of how uh, policies or just basic actions, basic design decisions uh change like actual life for you know different groups of people yeah for sure that's like super up here yeah we we could ground that take (laughs) on like what is normal too yeah no i i just i think it has to go i mean 
it takes people to actually make the change too as well mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. unfortunately like it, it it's it falls on few but i think it should be everybody everybody should yeah. be making those decisions and inviting people in and having the conversations like i i just think uh I don't know. I mean, what are, what are we really going to go back to? Like business as usual? I, I don't know. It's 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 a tough one for sure. And we have this new chance for unity. Um, yeah. We have this new chance to like have super common ground with people and and be supportive. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I think sometimes oppression is a little ingenious in that it keeps us all separated. Mm-hmm. But maybe what we learned from the pandemic was how much we have in common just from like realizing how much we need to see people or I realize like I need to ride the train regularly like for my mental health yeah, you know yeah, just to yeah. get out of my head yeah read a book listen to that ding dong doors yeah, closing yeah, you know sure. like for all sure. of that it's these little things that I can we find those in common and then use that to continue to build common ground moving forward and then yeah. maybe our normal is a little more equitable mm-hmm. maybe yeah, maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, one thing I have been tuning into and taking it on a lighter note is uh, Zoom comedy shows. So That's a thing? It's a thing. It looks like, like I need that. We put as it you up on the screen. From how yeah. heavy we've been. <laughs> yeah. We, it's hilarious. Shout out to KO Comedy. Um, oh. Oh. Yeah. I so, used to go to their actual shows. Oh, really? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. For sure. Because they, they did have actual live in-person shows. But now they do like Friday, Saturday nights. They do um some comedians and we put it up on the big screen and everybody it's so funny like for us we put it on the big screen but some people are like really like on the laptops like looking and watching the show so (laughs) it's pretty funny and it's all uh donatable like you just donate so that's one covid thing that i hope continues the shows are free shows are free yeah and you can don't you can like venmo them um yeah which we we always end up giving money so uh that's awesome. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm for sure going to check yeah. that out. What, what else have you been doing to relax your mind? I cook a lot. Do you? So shout out to Urban Canopy, which okay. is like a local, locally unified community sourced agriculture yeah. is what their thing is. And um, so I've been getting a subscription box every week. Very cool. Get a bunch of locally grown root vegetables and... Not just root vegetables, but a bunch of veggies, bread, mushrooms. They send a drink every week. So a couple of weeks I've gotten some like local beers, which are like delicious. Um, obviously, Weiner is a super delicious brewery, but I didn't know about Middlebrow. So that was a new one that I was getting some good things. Dropping from. all the knowledge here. I like yes. it. Yes. yes. I was like getting to know Chicago in a new way yeah. <laughs> because I had to figure out how to cook like three pounds of turnips every month. <laughs> it was crazy you can't turn those into noodles or anything you can't that's a joke that was a joke that was a joke you don't joke about those things with creative people you're like can i can i do that spaghetti uh spiraler today we're having spaghetti we had zoodles the other night so that's why i was like you know just throw it all in there um but the food the food Deserts and food, getting food access, I think, is something that for me in my circle, um, that has been a big conversation that we've been having really? a lot lately. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting to see um, what people are doing to try to um, mediate that issue, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, what was the name of the food box you mentioned? Urban Canopy. Urban Canopy. Um, so you can, you can check them out online. I think it's just urbancanopy.com, but you can just Google Ur- Urban Canopy. 
but they have right now they have their like flex boxes so it's just on demand you have to try to sign up you know when the link drops every week but they had a winter (laughs) yo it's intense i'm not kidding I'm not kidding you. You got to talk to my man over there about exclusive <laughs> drops for sure. <laughs> I was like. So it's once a week it drops. Yeah. They started this. Well, usually it's a subscription, right? So right now I believe you can still sign up for their summer subscription, which is you get a box every, every week and it averages out to about 45 bucks a box. Okay. And you get a bunch of produce, a loaf of bread from a local bakery, um, a beverage could be coffee, could be beer, kombucha. We've got mulled wine spices. I got a box of chai, like all kinds of stuff. Um, and then you also get mushrooms and in addition to all your other produce. And then there's usually like some weird extra thing. Like they gave me pickled lemons, which I just put in gin and tonic. I don't know what to do with the pickled. It lemon sounds before. great. We're working on it. <laughs> but, um, so it's really cool. But then I guess with the pandemic last year and not knowing quite what was going to happen, they developed this flexible box thing, which is essentially like the Friday before each week, they drop a link and you're like, I want a box for next week. I'm not kidding you, Felix. That shit sold out in 15 minutes. Oh my God. Week. That is great though. <laughs> it's kind of so, like trying to get on creative mornings. I don't know if you're ever familiar yeah. with creative mornings. Like when that was pre COVID creative mornings, once a month, last Friday of the month, they would hold presentations and they're in multiple cities. So mm-hmm. for all our millions of fans, uh, whatever city you're in, check it out. But anyways, I, I I'm sure you just got to keep <laughs> clicking, keep refreshing. Yeah. yeah, that's so good. So cooking, huh? That's been the- yeah. Um, so a good thing was they would give um, recommendations for recipes to try out. So miso, because we're talking about turnips, miso glazed turnips was something I tried, which was super delicious. Um, just really like warm and nice for the winter. And then I would just try throwing in new recipes. Like I have like from my Indian side of my family, I've like learned a lot of like South Indian cooking, typical mm-hmm. stuff. And so I'd be like, all right, look, let's just try using this vegetable in this dish I already know how to make because it seems similar. So yeah. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Love it. Keep going. Love it. Uh, it uh, so then I would add it in there and um, be like, okay, cool. Like this is a new thing. Nice. So, and then the other thing is like Google's crazy. You could just put any vegetables and then tacos into Google and you probably will come up with a good recipe. Interesting. <laughs> Pro tip right here. I love it. Love it. Um, so yeah, a lot of cooking, a okay. lot of cooking, got a lot of plants. And you said also in the mail the other day, you got your license. Yeah. How about that? That's a nice little. Yeah. Before we dive into that, I was helping my parents move last week and I got my Harrington diploma out of, uh, and it was still like in the FedEx box that it mailed, they mailed it to me in. And I was like, like, oh, is this, my, this. is this my diploma? They're like, yeah, this is your college diploma. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why didn't I have that? So anyways, um, yeah, you, so you just got your, um, license. I did. Awesome. I did. Um, and after telling me it would mean nothing, Smith Group gave me a 5% raise. Like I asked when I was hired. Hey, hey. Um, and I'm, I personally believe that we should stop thinking it's weird to talk about salary. Yeah. Because that's how we all get paid more, I think. Yeah. That's um, a huge conversation. Yeah. Huge well, conversation. Well, you know, I only love huge ones. Yeah, that's heavy. <laughs> heavy. Damn. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. 
I just brought that up because I was really touched that when my supervisor gave me the raise, she said, this is not a secret at all. Anyone who gets their license is entitled to a 5% raise. It's a new corporate policy. We want to support you all. We believe in this. If you're asked about it, you can share as much as you like. And I really appreciated that from our like internal culture. So yeah, I'm licensed now. Um, it looks the same as. Sorry, I thought we whoa, were keeping whoa. it light. No, 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 no. You can't just you can't just skim over that one. So what about? So now, are you saying that salary transparency you have with your peers or with people you work with? Right now, it's just with my peers. Okay. I try to because that's important. Say mine. Yeah. So that if anyone is comfortable saying theirs, they do. Yeah. At work, I haven't quite gotten there. Yeah. We have not been told not to share our salaries. Yeah. But I am. St- I don't know. I. It's an interesting conversation. I push people's buttons in other ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you do, which is great. One. Which is great, because I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of I, I hate to say this, but there's a lot of intangibles, right? And there's yeah. a lot of things that uh, um, I think contribute to salaries that on either end that you are, you know, it could be good or it could be bad. You know, I, I think. Well, it's you're coming at me with the firm owner knowledge. <laughs> You're like, well, I don't like that guy, so I paid him less. I don't want to talk about it. Oh my God. So funny. No, I think I I truly think so. Um and and for the record, everybody in Weisendell is hungry, so (laughs) you 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 eat what you you kill. You eat what you kill around here at Weisendell team, so come to Death Row Records for sure. Go and then you feed everyone wine right, on empty exactly. stomachs. Right. And then you just don't even know what's going to happen. Right, right. <laughs> Which I didn't team. offer you guys any wine if you guys would want some wine. So. <laughs> they didn't even get wine. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I, like, I, do you guys want to share the last quarter of this bottle? <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Wine's really important to me. It so is. I'm like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think another another topic on that is the paid or unpaid internships, right? Yeah. But I think the salary thing, obviously, I think you should pay every intern. Um, but uh, the salary transparency thing is a huge conversation. And I think that's really led by the younger generation, for sure, yeah. for sure, I think. I mean, well, I, I feel like when uh, NCARB made it a requirement that you have to pay um, your interns in order for those hours to count towards uh, AXP and IDP or IDP previously, AXP now. I think that made a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that what you're talking about? Or not so much? I'm not too sure what I'm talking about. Cool, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I do think got to pay your interns. The funny thing is in I college... I was talking about salary transparency. Sorry, not to cut you off. Right. No, you're good. Um, that's real. So I'm just thinking about like in college, I had a job... <laughs> where I actually worked from 9 a.m. to 9 a.m. a couple of times. But I loved it because I was working for this awesome architect who had no room for poor design. He had a standard. But I remember thinking in college, I will do this because I'm paid hourly. Mm-hmm. 
if I am being paid a salary where my defined hours are nine to six, probably not working this job. And I didn't. <laughs> I yeah. came back. Yeah. So I, I just, I think it is important to pay interns. I think there's a lot of opportunity there, but that's a good point. When you're working in like a, a larger firm, do we need to enable our interns to just talk amongst themselves about what they're being paid? Yeah, and I think the the salary transparency is something that uh, I think a lot of it, it's no fault on the employee. I think a lot of the firms try to scoop by by just naming having these tiers or not really having the um, structure to say, oh, well, this person's a D two or someone right. was like, oh, this person's a D six. I'm like, what the fuck, like. How do you become a D6? Like just senior designer maybe or manager or something? Like So I recently found out what my billable rate is. And oh, in that yeah. same Oh, see, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> oh my God. That's a whole nother in thing. In that same conversation, I was told you should make about a third of your billable rate. Yeah. And I was like, oh, should I? Oh, because I know I? what I make. And yeah. I now know what my billable rate is. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm going to need about 20K oh, more. Oh, my God. I mean, those are huge things, right? And these yeah. are huge. And when you talk about change, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about dollars. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, that everybody wants to talk about change. But what it is is where the dollars lay. Follow the money. And this goes back to our out. development conversation. Absolutely. Because why Absolutely. can't? Like we were talking about Dion and E.G. Wood. Mm-hmm. He'll tell me constantly. It's frustrating. Shout out, shout out. Shout out to Dion. For sure. For sure. Yeah. But it's like it's frustrating when you're out here. You have the knowledge. You have the people. Maybe the only piece missing mm-hmm. is capital. And you have to prove to someone that you do the thing that they don't do and that you know about it. That's wild. That. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's just really crazy. But just going back to the salary transparency thing, I almost wonder, and maybe this is a crazy idea, but I almost wonder if the concept of negotiating should be removed for fairness because um, when I was applying for jobs, someone shared statistics with me that men are roughly 60% of the time will uh, negotiate their salaries. They just say, like, well, I just want more. And it's like, why? Because well, I want more. And that's it. But as women, we feel so pressed to justify and please and not bother people. Only 7% of women negotiate their salaries. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like that's telling, where my 20K went. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I was telling uh, my sister when she was applying for jobs yeah. uh, back when, and I read some some stat that like, uh, men will apply for jobs that they're not qualified for just to <laughs> apply for them. Right. And just to like try it and women won't do that. Yeah. And it, and I told my sister, I'm like, like fucking apply, like just do that. Like there's no reason why you can't men are fucking doing it. And now that, that gets into a whole nother conversation as far as men and women being paid. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's ridiculous, ridiculous. So yeah. I, I really like uh, all these heavy conversations. We might have to part this for part two. Yeah, I feel <laughs> you. I mean, I think that with the state of the world, with the year that we we're coming off of, and then the year that we thought we were going to go into versus the year we're actually going into, yeah. 
can't help it, you know. Yeah, and, it and gets I, heavy. I think what's important is that everything is relatable or everything is intertwined, right? Like you can't yeah. talk about the vaccine without talking about how shitty our healthcare is, or you can't talk about one thing without talking about the other thing. Right. So it, it's it's all just bite sized, and I think it's not gonna. Again, in my humble opinion, it's not going to happen overnight, but we, we just need to chip away constantly and try to improve. Um, at least that's my view. So, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that, I mean, what you said is right on. We and we can start to find just like that concept of unity again in these things. And, and honestly, humor, like what you just said about the uh, live streaming comedy shows, like yeah. that hit me because it's like. A lot of how I deal with stuff sucking is like making weird dry remarks about everything yeah, that right. make me laugh, right. <laughs> you know, because it's just like me or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and when we watch it, like it's on a big screen, it's on a big TV. So you, it's a Zoom. So you have yeah. 20 different people on the screen. Right. So it's like you're watching TV, but these are like actual life people that you're just like, like one guy had his toe like all up in Don't the camera toe, i know Don't it was it was ridiculous i'm telling you we're I cracking saw up someone cleaning their toes on the cta yesterday and it Did was it? too much i was on the green line going to yoga at like five o'clock in the morning and some dude just cleaning it oh my god bare, bare toe. don't say toes <laughs> Oh, well, I would definitely send you that link for sure. <laughs> not not of the talk oh, meeting, oh, oh. but of the Zoom, of the Zoom. But also comedy's I'm sorry, but just no, really quick. Comedy is so linked to unity. Like yeah. I feel like we realize how much we experience the same struggles once you make a joke about it. I went to once an entire comedy show and the theme of it was being mixed race, which I didn't know was a thing, but I was excited. And yeah. <laughs> and someone was like one of the lines in it was like, aren't you sick of the Uber driver first asking where you're going and then asking if you have a boyfriend? And I was like, that happens to other people. Like, I was amazed. I was like, wait, this is a thing. And it was hilarious the way they set it up and go into like all this weird shit you experience when people don't know where to put you racially. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I was dying. I was like, what? This hits home so hard. And I think it's just another way to just feel like, you know, we're all out here struggling. Yeah, for sure. For in sure. a lot of ways lately, but like, it's okay. Let's find the silver lining, humor, path forward, whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, where can people find you at? How about that? Well, I did. I feel like maybe my LinkedIn is the best place. I know that's super lame. I do have an for Instagram. Corporate. Damn, you work at, you work at Smith Group? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> out here giving out her LinkedIn. <laughs> Love it. I was like about to be like my Instagram, which does exist, but it's like uh, there's food and nature on there. I'm not that's sure cool. that's that interesting. That's cool. That's interesting. Um, and it's also only maybe like 18 months old. Like I haven't had it for that long. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, um, I Instagram, LinkedIn. You can cool. find me over there. Perfect. Yeah. Well, um, thank you again. Love catching up. For Glad sure. to see you uh, alive and healthy and doing well. <laughs> well I meant, I'm, I'm glad you're alive. No, I see. No, I, I, threw <laughs> I threw alive in there. I didn't mean to. I just meant like, you know, alive and well. I feel you. I feel yeah, you. yeah I for sure. I don't pass up a chance to throw shade. Yeah, for sure. I, I got you. you don't, don't, <laughs> don't ever stop doing that. Um, but yeah, thank you. We'll, uh, we'll catch up again in a, in a year on, on record. So. Cool, cool. Cool. Thanks Thanks so cheers. Much, thank you. Cheers. Your safety is important. If you observe unattended packages, vandalism, or suspicious activity, inform CTA personnel immediately.